Hello there. Hello. Are you there? I am. How are you? Yay! Hi, Casper. <laughs> so um, it's funny because I'm using this anchor. I've been telling everybody that in one of the earlier episodes, like I just had to make this really easy because I am really awesome at like community building and facilitating retreats, but like figuring out the technology of a podcast is like a whole different skill set. So I'm trying to make the process um, simple, you know, sort of easy so that it's joyful and not this big stress. So this wonderful app anchor. um, However, sometimes (laughs) there's a little, you know, it's a little like clunky to sort of get it and set up. So I'm glad we found each other and made our way. (laughs) Yes. Um, okay, awesome. So thank you for coming on to chat with me because I'm obsessed with you and the subtraction project and um, connected with you probably a few months ago now. I think that was I feel yeah. like I was in the bed. So it must have been winter. Um, like I was like all cozied up. I remember our conversation so well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and had reached out to you because I, at that time, was really searching for soul sisters who were doing some things that I was doing where I was feeling kind of alone and lonely. And that was around having kiddos, running our own businesses, and uh, law of attraction and like feeling into our lives and being really open to these teachings and being really open to learning about moon cycles and wisdom for our families. And at the same time, like living in the real world, right? Like we have dishes and we have laundry and we have bills. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I sort of reached out to you in a like, Hey, do you want to be my friend? (laughs) (laughs) Can we please talk Um, way? Because I had, um, I think you came up, I don't remember quite how I sort of connected some dots, but one of our students in Thrive had sent me your subtraction project probably a year ago, maybe like a while ago. Um, And then I was listening to the Jess Lively show and, or in one of Jess Lively's classes. And she, someone had asked about family, domestic life and law of attraction. And she said, go back and listen to my episode with Cass and you'll, you know, she'll fill you in. And that's when I messaged you and said, Hey, I'd love to just chat and actually have a relationship so that we can kind of talk about these things because um, especially in Washington, if I start to bring up like parenting and entrepreneurship and law of attraction, it's not necessarily, (laughs) um, I'm not necessarily supported by like-minded people at this point. It's nothing against it. It's not a judgment. It's just, you know, that's not what they're studying. So thank you. Thank you for coming on and sharing your story and your wisdom with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, Okay. So tell us a little about your daily life. I gave like a quick little intro about what you do, but tell me from your perspective, like what your daily life looks like and what your care looks like and sort of how you're integrating all these pieces. Yeah. All right. So I'm a wife to George and I have three little kids. Lexi's nine. Brayden is three. Elliot is 13 months and I'm about two weeks away from having another baby. So I am very pregnant and (laughs) that's happening too. I own a marketing strategy firm um, and 
my husband and I work together on that along with a handful of other people that get to work with their company. And that's our day job. And then I have a passion project called Subtraction Project, which is um, helping people live more with less stuff and Mm -hmm. subtracting what doesn't work and crowding out what doesn't work with what does work really well. And that brought me on a journey of being really intentional and looking at the law of attraction and just what I wanted to generate in my life really thoughtfully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Subtraction Project's been going on for 10 years now. No, really? Yeah, 10 years. Started 32 people. I think 30 of those people I have shared a last name with at one point in my life. Um, (laughs) And it's grown to, I think we're up to 12,000 people have participated in this (gasps) Subtraction Project over the last... 10 years. So it's pretty cool. And yeah, that's, and I'm, you know, I'm a student of Jennifer Recipio, who's an amazing lunar coach and really into, you know, things that I'm learning about and really investing in myself. And right now is, you know, aligning to the lunar cycles and Mm -hmm. listening to my intuition and setting my intentions in line with, um, with the moon, just because it, it provides a cyclical point of anchor mm-hmm. that I value so much. And, you know, then just picking up things from Abraham Hicks and what Jess Lively mm-hmm. shares on the law of attraction and, and just trying to live as mindfully as I can while still, you know, doing the laundry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny that you use that as an example because I literally I shared this story last week in our my in our community like weekly um, uh, like a new planning call that I'm doing with them and I shared this story about the laundry and um, I just posted it on like Insta and Facebook around like why the laundry is a mindfulness practice for me and a gratitude practice because I didn't grow up with that laundry in the house. So having it in the house and having that warm laundry and like my kids having clothes and taking care of them, like is, and I know it sounds crazy, right? But it like is our practice to show up for these things that we have to do, right? Every week. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm sure with like four, three and a half kids that you have, <laughs> like you probably have to do laundry every day. Not every week. <laughs> no, I do laundry once a week, but what I do yeah. is I'll, I'll just cycle it all through. And then I have like an hour of just folding and I, yeah, yeah. I will either listen to yeah. um, a, a <laughs> podcast or I'm yeah. really into Grace Smith. She's a hypnotist mm-hmm. and are listening to something from Grace. And I, I really shifted the laundry about mm-hmm. two years ago. We were doing a subtraction project and somebody said, I hate the laundry. I have, I have so mm-hmm. much hate towards it. And yes. I was like, I can relate to that in some ways. I didn't hate it actively, but mm-hmm. it was something that I dreaded and I was, I, I wanted to change it. And so mm-hmm. I thought, well, how can I do this different? Mm-hmm. And I decided that I would instill a blessing every time I was folding. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm folding, you know, Lexi's, you know, 33 pairs of pajamas that she had to wear over the course of one week, which is just, Mm -hmm. I don't understand. 
but you know, <laughs> she gets hot and she needs to change her pajamas six times. Um, you know, as I'm folding them, I'm saying, you know, I, I hope that she has great dreams in these and I hope that, it, uh, you know, that she, mm-hmm. she sees something magical in this moment or, you know, I hope that this shirt is folded with some protection so that she stays safe and feels well loved. Mm-hmm. And that changed so much. And when, mm-hmm. and honestly, I started doing it with the kids and I didn't do it for my own clothes and I didn't do it for Georgia's clothes. And then about a year ago, I started doing it for my own clothes and for Georgia's clothes. And I noticed a huge shift in how I felt getting dressed, which is just, mm-hmm. you know, I've done some Reiki training. And so I know like there's an energy to everything. Mm-hmm. But instilling that energy in inanimate objects was not something that I had really looked at at all. But I think it makes a difference. Ah, it makes such a difference. I am like a clothes have been for like the sort of the history of my life before probably like the past five, 10 years, really like a clothes hoarder in a lot of ways. Um, and had way too much of everything just sort of all the time. And I slowly started to peel it away. I did a lot of like reading Courtney Carver stuff and seeing her live when she came to DC and like, I wasn't going to do what's her project, the whole like 30 pieces or whatever it's the called, capsule. um, the capsule. Yeah. So I wasn't like fully, um, like, oh, I need to do that. Or I want to do that. But slowly over time, instead of adding more things, I've really been taking things away and doing exactly what you say, where I like spend time, like folding or looking at it or putting on things that make me feel good. And I love, and that are having those higher vibe, like feelings. And if I don't, I give it away, you know, or I mean, like I donate it or I give it away. Um, And I can't believe how many things I collected that didn't make me feel good. And that I didn't like, now I'm sort of approaching every area of my life as creative and artistic. And like, how can I infuse joy, even in how I get dressed every day and what I wear. And so I've taken probably more than half of my clothes and given them away. And so now my closet has so much more space and so much more like good energy and good juju. And I love folding things and putting it away. And it's just a totally different perspective. It's exactly what you're saying, you know, like it's so much more fun and interesting. I'm sure there's people who are like rolling their eyes at us that they're like, what are these women? (laughs) (laughs) What are these women? So I want to address that by just going into some specifics around some stuff that you said, like you said, subtraction project was a passion project for you. What does that mean? Like, what's the truth about that for you? It started because I was going through a divorce Mm -hmm. and I recognized that I had been adding a whole lot of stuff and Mm. debt and negativity Mm -hmm. to my life and it wasn't working. And it was kind of this aha moment of, well, if what I've been doing, if going to Target and buying another three t-shirts is not actually making me feel better, maybe the opposite would. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of started there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, it, it was real, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was a moment of, you know, I'm writing, I'm working on the book right now for subtraction project. And the introduction I wrote, you know, the divorce was kind of the biggest subtraction Mm -hmm. that I could have fathomed Mm -hmm. in my Mm -hmm. life. And 
it triggered this idea that maybe what I actually craved and needed most was less. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, it was a scary time mm-hmm. and obviously a lot of emotional stuff going on, mm-hmm. but thank goodness all of it went down the way that it did because it got me here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, subtraction project is a passion project. And I say it's a passion project because it, it's not something that I have, um, I haven't made it my business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's been a thoughtful decision up to this point. Not mm-hmm. that it will never be my business. It will never be a revenue source or I just hadn't felt good to do that yet. And mm-hmm. I wanted to give it space to feel as good as it can for as long as it can. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, I mean, I think that a lot of people don't talk specifically about sort of like day job and, and now there's like this whole side hustle movement, right? Um, Although I obviously prefer the language passion project (laughs) and side hustle, but I think there's, I think they're different and there's different energy in them. So it's not, you know, it's just how it is. Um, But I guess the, the question that comes up that I know people are thinking is around time, right? So this is the thing is that what I think is so awesome about our, like your experience and story also, by the way, I think Courtney Carver started um, Be More With Less after her divorce also because of debt and stuff. And so that's fascinating to me, that sort of, and the reason it's fascinating is because these things that we have in our mind that are part of our wounds and part of our story and part of our heartbreak often lead to these big shifts Mm -hmm. and that's like you know when we're in it I'm not saying like oh there's a reason this is happening and sort of all those cliche terms but when you look at the big picture in the story of your life I feel like there are there's a lot that we can take from her experiences and bring into our life in an intentional way and that's the part that I love talking about is like here's something that was really heartbreaking and, and probably extremely emotionally challenging. And yet I learned so much about myself, yeah. you know? Um, okay. So what you, we're studying a lot of the same things. This is one of the things that I learned about us when we were, when we were chatting is that from the moon cycles to intentionality, to, um, uh, the subtraction piece from me is all coming through the lens of Ayurveda. It's actually the same teachings in Ayurveda. Um, we call it the art of subtracting. It's always about subtracting in our life because uh, then we can connect with that wholeness and that abundance mm-hmm. and that harmony um, and that quote unquote balance that's already in nature. Um, and then, and how, do, and what's one of the tools that we use to pay attention to that is the moon cycles. So mm-hmm. I love the synchronicity in whether you're coming. I think also this is the point is that we live in a world that where there's so much, it's like, there's one way, there's one way and here's the way. And I think I love the idea that there's lots of ways and that universal wisdom is it comes at us and through us in a bunch of different things that we study. Right. Absolutely. And even having people listening to this conversation may say, Oh, I've never thought about, you know, paying attention to the moon cycles before, but I see how it's coming from a bunch of different ways. So 
this all leads me to time. So I want to talk about time and energy management and time management given your big, full, vibrant life. Walk us through like a typical day and what that really looks like in terms of nurturing and nourishing all these beautiful areas of your life. Yeah. Okay. So typical day, um, one of the boys will wake me up earlier than I want to be woken up. That's just the exactly. reality of the situation. Yeah, be real. Yeah. Be real. Don't. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So between five and five thirty, somebody will wake up and need me, and I'm very pregnant, and so that's very hard to go back to sleep after that, even mm-hmm. if they do. So usually we're up. I'm up around then. Um, George and I have some coffee and have some time to just kind of get into our day while the kids play and hang out. We feed the dogs. We have two dogs. Mm-hmm. Then we have breakfast as a family, and then around eight o'clock. You know, in, in between there, you know, I'm showering, getting ready for the day, that type of thing. I wash my mm-hmm. hair twice a week. Let's just, I want to be mm-hmm. really real about this. I wash yes, and do please. my hair two times a week. Otherwise, it is in a bun. And I'm mm-hmm. so okay with that. Like, mm-hmm. this is not a season of my life where I'm curling my hair every day. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, we're getting ready. Eight o'clock-ish, Shannon, who's our um, summer babysitter, comes to the house. She's amazing. She helps, you know, do whatever needs to be done, whether it's helping Lexi with her hair or getting a lunch packed for Lex, anything on that side. And then I usually head off to work. Um, And I work from 8 to 3.30-ish every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some days I work from home. I have a home office. And then I also, you know, as our as our clients we serve as marketing directors for a couple of organizations so i have offices mm-hmm. in three places in our city so mm-hmm. where do you live again day, just remind yeah, yeah remind people up, where you live yep yeah, we're in rochester new york so upstate okay, cool mm-hmm. so i'll head to one of those offices or starbucks or wherever i want really sometimes i'll just go to the library because i need some quiet and i want to have some time not available on the phone mm-hmm so I work from eight to three thirty, and I would say, you know, most of that time I'm working on our client work, our you know things that have revenue associated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm working on the subtraction project book right now, so I'm spending probably four or five hours a week on that each week. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty, you know. We're- do you do subtraction project book writing during your? work hours yes. you're eight to three thirty, or did you okay okay yep for the most part mm-hmm. I mean there's been a mm-hmm. couple of nights where honestly like oh George has a concert I'm gonna write you know mm-hmm. after the mm-hmm. kids go to bed but most of mm-hmm. the time it's happening during work hours okay just because that's where my focus is mm-hmm. then, okay so then what happens at three thirty? Three thirty, I go home hang out with the kids um, George wraps up work around the same time. So we'll play outside, maybe go to a park, take the kids to the school and ride bikes around the school. We have dinner as a family every night. We usually eat between 545 and 615. After everybody's finished with dinner, the kids go and get to watch a TV show. George and I usually sit at the table and chat and connect a little bit. Then we start bath and bed routine. Everybody is in their beds around 730. Because they're pretty mm-hmm. little. Mm-hmm. And then George and I'll hang out. Maybe I'll read. Sometimes we'll pull a tarot card. Um, just spend a little bit of time together. And then watch a modern family. Honestly, we're on mm-hmm. season three. And mm-hmm. 
then go to bed at like nine, nine fifteen, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, the biggest thing that happens in like that eight to three thirty window is focus. It's saying mm-hmm. I have plenty of time. That's my mantra. It is always mm. my mantra in between mm-hmm. those hours of eight to three thirty. There is plenty of time. Um I say no to things. I delegate things that I can delegate. And, you know, I, I'm also like a skillful procrastinator. <laughs> Tell me more about that. <laughs> Sometimes things need to marinate. Mm-hmm. And it shows up for me as procrastination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I have something, it's on my to-do list. I know that it needs mm-hmm. to happen this week. Mm-hmm. I put it on the list for this week, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I'm a big list maker. So having mm-hmm. a list for the week is the way that I approach it. Having a daily list stresses me out too much. Okay. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'll put it on the list and I'll do it the first thing. I'll eat the frog, you know. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it will need to procrastinate and marinate there until Thursday at, you know, 2.45 when I've got 45 minutes left in my work week. Okay. I don't work on mm-hmm. Fridays. Um, okay. Yeah. So, and it all came from asking for what I wanted and needed in the moment and evaluating it by the season. Like in this season. Yeah. Were you always like this? I mean, that's what I want to also ask. It's like, where was this? Is this very natural for you? Have you been doing this for, you know, the whole 10 years that you've been a parent? Like how did this, or did this evolve over time with studying and learning and talking? There was a piece of it that evolved for sure. I would say that when Lexi was born, I had been working probably 75, 80 hours a week before, and we were living Mm -hmm. in New York city, you know, Mm -hmm. or just outside. And I was working a ton and Lexi came and it was like, okay, this is different. I need to shift how I'm doing things a Mm. bit. I need to ask for more of what I need to be the kind of mom I intend to be to her. Mm -hmm. And then it shifted more when we moved, when Lexi and I moved back to Rochester, which is where our family is for the most part, Mm -hmm. the, the pace change allowed me to be really thoughtful about what is it that I want to create in this life and recognizing that it is a short season. You know, I have, mm-hmm. I have six years of all of these little people being underfoot. Mm-hmm. How do I want that to go? Mm-hmm. And recognizing that, you know, it's not every day isn't perfect, right? There's some days, there's one day a month, where I have a 7.30 in the morning meeting and I happen to have a board meeting every single time. First Wednesday of the month at 7 p.m. And I'm gone from 6.50 in the morning until 9 mm-hmm. o'clock at night. That happens too. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like, how do I want to live this? Mm-hmm. And asking for what I want. And it's been shocking to me, like, when I really evaluate it and say, okay, what I really need right now is no meetings on Mondays so that I can actually get work done. Mm-hmm. If I go to the people that I have meetings on Mondays and say, Hey, I actually need to move this around. Is that okay with you? It's shocking to me how many times they're like, Oh, thank goodness. That works so much better for my schedule too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
like we have this paralyzing fear of asking for what we need, both professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really evaluating it. And, you know, I, I don't, I can, um, I have a, a seasonal kind of subtraction project time management resource. Oh, great. Yeah. I'll, um, we'll make a landing page and I'll send you over a link. Yeah. Perfect. So people can grab it, Mm -hmm. but I look at it quarterly, you know, Mm -hmm. in each season, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and really we looked at it again for the summer and I was like, well, how do I want this summer to go with a, with a Mm -hmm. newborn and all of these Mm -hmm. other pieces? And it was, yeah, I just need to create a little bit more ease. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, there's nothing scheduled. Mm -hmm. I'm still, I still have commitments. I still have responsibilities, Mm -hmm. but it's going to flow. And I think it just sounds like you have a deep trust in that because of the experience, right? So like the experience equaling the confidence Mm -hmm. and that because you've, you've asked for what you needed with your team and with meetings and the response has been positive, you're more likely to do that down the road. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's kind of the piece. And again, like from an Ayurvedic perspective, what we teach is like the question that you start with every day is like, how can I nourish myself today? And what do I need? And like, how do I want to feel? And so that's what I think is so cool is that the, the integration of Ayurveda and law of attraction is that the questions that we're starting the day with or starting the season with are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I love the kind of overlap. And then the reason that I wanted to have this conversation and have you kind of expose some of this is because I think that the more we hear the stories of women who are, who have um, families and careers and spiritual practices, right. That, We're not going to live in caves. I'm not trying to be, you know, the next Pema and run the Abbey. (laughs) Like I just, I want to be here. I want to be in my life. I want to be of this earth is what one of my shamans always says, be of this earth, you know, like come down to us and be with us and raise your children and be present with them. So the thing that I think comes up for people a lot, and you talked a little bit about this is saying no and delegating, but can you just kind of jam on like how you prioritize and your boundaries that you create for yourself? Do you, I mean, I, you said you have to say no to things like, is that ever hard for you or oh, yeah. what does that look oh, like? Please. Yeah. I'm a tremendous people pleaser. It gives mm. me, I mean, it gives me great pain to say no to things, mm-hmm. but I have to decide, you know, I know that when I say no to something, I get to say yes to something else. Mm-hmm. And if the yes is to my kids or to my husband or to my family and my friends, then it's mm-hmm. worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, you know, thing, something that I'm working on right now because our business is shifting and growing always. Everything is right. You're never Mm going to, I think the the thing that I've learned in 14 years of running my own business is that there's no destination here. I'm never going to have it figured out. (laughs) Yeah. And like coming to that acceptance of like, I'm never going to have a services page that's actually going to be accurate. Like that's never going to happen. (laughs) You know, but coming to a place of, okay, if I, if I say yes to this work, that means I'm saying no to this thing that I feel really called to do. Mm-hmm. And that comes from a place of, for me, writing and listening to my intuition and saying, mm-hmm. okay, 
what is it that I want to do right now? And paying really good attention to the things that I don't want to do. You know, if something is moved from my to-do list from week to week for three months, I obviously, (laughs) I obviously do not want to do that thing. Same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that happens. Like that's just real life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if I can identify those things and say, okay, can I find somebody, can I ask for help in finding somebody that would want to do those things? Mm -hmm. And it's, always delightfully surprising to me how easy that happens when mm-hmm. you know I've been procrastinating something for two months and it's like well I think I need to ask for help on this and I declare the intention I need help with this and somehow hmm. from whatever ways you know whether it's me actually being proactive and putting up a job description or me saying it to four or five people that I trust and they're like, yeah, you know what? Actually, I know somebody that might be really interested in doing that. Mm-hmm. Something happens, but you have to declare it and then you have to take mm-hmm. the action mm-hmm. to make it a reality. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I think I'm a really powerful manifester and I am, mm-hmm. but it is empowered by my action. Mm-hmm. Okay. So talk more about that. So what are your, how do you see those basic steps and how do you then use it in your life? You talked a little bit about writing to intuition. Yeah. Like you, everyone's take and view and lens is a little different. So can you share yeah. a bit of your process? Yeah. So I'll write to my intuition. Okay. Especially if I'm having a problem. Like I'll be like, I feel really jammed up. What's going on? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, okay, I'm feeling jammed up because I feel like I have too much on my plate and I'm not sure how I'm going to get all of this done this week. Okay. Do you need to have everything on your plate that you have on your plate? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that true? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So you're using the work too. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Uh-huh. Is that true? Yeah. No, it is not true. Okay. <laughs> what, what can you let go of push out this week so that you feel excited about what this week has in store for you? Mm-hmm. And then it usually comes down to like one or two things that are jamming me up. And so then Mm -hmm. it's okay. Who can I let know that this is jamming me up to see if they have a better way? Because I don't have a better way of handling this. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's a member of my team. Sometimes that's a friend. Sometimes that's posting it on Instagram. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. talking to George about it. So it's like declaring this is getting clear. Here's what the jam is. Here's where I want it to shift. Asking for help, not just from the universe in my writing, right? But from real people. Mm -hmm. And then trusting that it will resolve. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like I have to go down the worst case scenario, hole Uh yeah yeah where it's like well what's the worst case scenario well the worst case scenario is that I actually have to just put on my big girl pants and do this thing that I don't want to do okay well what happens then well then I'm gonna miss Lexi getting off the bus Mm -hmm. okay is that the end of the world no okay Mm -hmm. you know so sometimes I have to go down the worst case scenario and just 
play that out. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, things will resolve when I identify what the actual problem is, what the possible solutions are, and then I ask for help in the Mm -hmm. solution. Or Mm -hmm. I go after the help. Mm -hmm. Were you always someone who was able to do that? I mean, I think one of the things that I noticed with some of my private clients is that that step around asking for help is very um, like webbed with their own shame or guilt or not enoughness. And like, I don't have that because I have been practicing asking for help for so long when I was running the yoga studio, I really didn't have a choice. Like I had to learn how to do that and really separate my delegation. And I think that Brene Brown's work really helped me understand that. Like I could just have that body of work to say, okay, the, here's the research and the science mm-hmm. um, behind being open and asking for help and being vulnerable um, in appropriate ways. Like, let's be clear, appropriate ways. Um, so how was, what's your relationship with asking for help? Was that something you had to learn or is that kind of natural to you? Yeah, that was learned for sure. Yeah. And even still it's, it's hard. I have, I'll struggle with asking for help from, from people, from, I'll struggle with that and I'll Mm -hmm. resist it and I'll try to find any other way. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, by having faith that it will work out and Mm -hmm. trusting people enough to not let me down. Mm Mm-hmm we have stronger relationships Mm -hmm. and I want that. I want that Mm -hmm. more than I want to be completely independent. Mm -hmm. I think when, Mm -hmm. yeah, when my marriage fell apart, you know, my first marriage fell apart, I became fiercely independent Mm -hmm. and all of my trust, faith, all of those muscles were like just left in a crumbly heap in a corner. Mm-hmm. And it took, it's taken nine years to, to want that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that that happens. I mean, maybe it can happen faster and, and it, it was exactly the time that I needed to process it all. But, you know, it's, it's a difficult muscle to rebuild. <laughs> yeah. You know, and trusting and and having faith and belief that people, people want good things for you. Mm -hmm. They want to help Mm -hmm. you in the same way that you want to help them. Yeah. 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 I think that just again, sort of like, I really appreciate your digestion and integration of life experiences and how you're bringing them into the present moment and into the current experiences. Um, I think there's a lot in here that will be super helpful to people. And like always with these conversations, if there's questions or thoughts or your own reflections, like, please feel free to email me and send them to me because I love doing the follow-up. I love being able to, you know, look at it and send your questions to Cass and have more, you know, of these real conversations about life um, because I think that they're super important, Um, especially when we're talking about 
setting boundaries and priorities and saying no and asking for help, which are things that I, that I know we are learning together how to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, because we, we, most of us did not grow up in homes where this was the case and we were not having these conversations, you know? So, um, it's kind of like now's the time and we're teaching the girls, um, and the, our kiddos who are rising up that, um, how this kind of really truly looks, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think to close, what I want to ask you is, so someone's listening and they've enjoyed the conversation. What's like one or two things that you would encourage them to do uh, for themselves to start moving closer to living this way? Set a daily intention. Mm-hmm. Just be, take the 30 seconds while you're brushing your teeth and align that time to deciding how you want to show up today. Mm-hmm. Because when you do that first, it does trickle down into every mm-hmm. single part of your day, mm-hmm. even if you don't feel it at first. And if mm-hmm. you've never done this, like I recommend like having a stack of post-it notes mm-hmm. in your bathroom, <laughs> next to your toothbrush, right? And like write down, how do you want to show up today? And like throw <laughs> yeah. them up on the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. And then pay attention after a week. Like what was the best day of the week? Mm -hmm. And was that influenced by your intention? And I Mm -hmm. bet you it will be. Mm-hmm. And even your worst day is going to be better from doing that. I think intention setting is huge. And when you in- set your intention in one area, it's, it's kind of like a snowball. It will influence what you bring into your home, what you bring into your meetings, what you bring into your work, what you bring to your kids as parents. Mm-hmm. And it'll influence what you are willing to let go of. Mm-hmm. And that can be, you know, physical stuff like in subtraction project. Or it can be, you know, things that don't actually matter that much to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really helpful and quote unquote easy. And, yeah. um, and the other piece is it's not like, I think people come and think it's going to be this big, sexy, like it has to be and let's go all in. And so I love the idea of the little sticky notes on the mirror And the super simple ways to set the intention every day and to start living with more of that deliberate conscious action um, with your thoughts and in your actions and how it all um, really relates to your daily alignment. Um, But we talk about in Thrive, like stickies and and bathroom (laughs) mirrors all the time. And people are like, I know this sounds crazy, but that sticky in the bathroom is really helping. And I'm like, I know it's those little beautiful moments that you have with yourself um, where you feel that connection and that flow. So Um, thank you, Cass, for coming on. I'm going to share the links. Cass will send me, um, a link for the seasonal, um, intention guide and from the subtraction project. And I actually bet it's probably a really awesome compliment to the plan to thrive guide, um, which doesn't, is not as specific in that way. So I love the idea of them working together. And I actually am having a planning uh, retreat in August and I'm going to look at that cast because I bet I could print it out and use it as a, as a real um, supplement and a complement to the work that we're doing. So, so awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm going to put the link for subtraction project. When is the next one running? Do you know? 
I don't. Um, I don't know yeah. yet. I think we'll probably do one in September. We usually do a, a 14 okay. day subtraction project in September. Okay. Um, but we're also probably going to do something after this baby is born, do a, like a quick five day one just to okay. level set as we get in the summer. But we'll see. We'll see when that happens. Okay. We're just going to let it happen with flow. Totally. That's what I was going to say is I love the idea because I think both of us run our lives this way is like, I think I'm thinking this and I'm going to walk towards this and feel this, but I'm not making any promises because I may not feel like doing that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I could have a baby tomorrow and be like, totally, nope, we're not doing totally. this until September. Yeah, totally. That's what I love about you and this work. Okay. So I'm rubbing your belly in my mind oh, and giving you a you. big hug <laughs> and congrats and excited. And where can people find you? Where do you want them to reach out to you? What's the best platform? Instagram is the place where I am most active and that's okay. as Cass McCrory. And then if you are interested in subtraction project, the group on Facebook is the place to go. Okay. Awesome. We'll send the links. Thank you. Good luck. Thank Congratulations. You. Thanks. All right. I'll talk Take care. Hello, it's Pleasance here, and I just wanted to take a minute and say, oh my goodness, I'm having so much fun with the podcast, and I got, I'm getting some emails, and they're beautiful, so I wanted to share them with you. So here's one that I got that I had to jump on and read to you, called Law of Attractions and Bad Things. Dear Pleasance, I've been devouring your podcast since I found it last week. I just finished the episodes, Conversations and Thriving, Law of Attraction, and I really wanted to share a thought with you about Law of Attraction versus Bad Things, like racism, oppression, trauma, etc. I'm wondering if this can be looked at using a framework of gravity. If Law of Attraction is a force of good that acts on within and between us like gravity, can oppression, though very different from a goodness perspective, also can be a similar force that can be acted on within and between us. If this is true, then similar to gravity, larger things can produce larger interference. A planet can capture a moon in its orbit. Looking from this perspective, it seems easy to identify something like institutional racism as a planet exerting huge force and trapping us in its orbit and potentially overwhelming or interfering with law of attraction. So, for example, black men aren't attracting shooting to themselves. We are in the orbit of institutional racism. Maybe the alternate force to attraction isn't oppression, but it seems like a potential root force, both racism and poverty in places that should be able to share abundance could be chalked up to oppression, which is why it seems like a good candidate. That might make it seem like the planets are insurmountable, but I will add this. The earth may have pulled the moon into its orbit, but the moon controls the earth's tides and we don't have to live in oppression. We can't dismantle the earth to free the moon, but we can dismantle oppression. Smaller chunks exert less force. Conversely, larger chunks of good exert more force. You may have already thought about this, but I just felt like I had to share this potential framing for thinking about this topic. I hope you're well. Thank you for the podcast, Andrea. Andrea, I'm obsessed with this. Thank you, thank you for creating a new framework, other ideas, other ways of looking, of looking at things. And I'm so grateful to be in conversation with you and all the listeners who have 
um, a lot of experience and and intelligence on these topics that are so dynamic and vast and layered. Um, so super fun to hear around about your response. So thank you. Another podcast listener came in um, after our soul do and should do. So switching gears now, here is another letter. Pleasance. I listened to part of your May 29th podcast during uh, my lunch break today. I love your podcast so much. It's so great. I only made it through the first 15 minutes when you started to talk about your shift in thinking from the healthy lifestyle habits being necessary before the soul transformation work to begin towards an approach that encourages people to listen to themselves. And it really resonated. There are just so many shoulds in our culture. So to add even more to that list just feels like more stuff to deal with it. But listening to your body and tapping into your intuition, wow, that is radical. And once you start doing it in a meaningful way, it makes you really want to show up for your life. Also, no one really teaches you how to do that. All the instructions we get as adults seem to be do this, don't do that, all about the external measures of success. The reason I'm emailing is I thought I had a thought on the Metro yesterday related to this and particularly around diet and exercise often disguised as leading a healthy lifestyle that I wanted to share with you and the leading a healthy lifestyles in quotes. The more I get into this work, the more convinced I become that we all crave spiritual growth and learning and personal transformation. P.S. Yes, 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 we do. Okay, back to the letter. But it's hard to know what exactly that means and how to get it. I think in previous generations, church and religions have been the source for many people. I'm obsessed with my church and have come back around to my faith in my 30s, but for many years, for me, that was another should in life, and the teachings just never penetrated in a way that felt meaningful for my soul or my life, beyond treating your neighbor as yourself. I'm starting to think one of the reasons our culture is so obsessed with diet, exercise, clean eating, all of which are framed in terms of things like good and bad, are all about external validation, even when they are pitched as self-care. Is this because when people see results from their diets or workout, routine, workout routines or whatever, it feels like they're changing in a good way and that sense of change and growth and, and healthy expansion is addictive, but because most of those approaches aren't sustainable or in the end healthy, at least if your mind is overly preoccupied with the shoulds and you start beating yourself up for not being as good at, at them as you think you should, which was the case for me for more years than I'd like to admit. Those feelings of personal growth and transformation go away, and then we feel bad about ourselves, and we crave it all over again and again. Hence, this cultural fixation with healthy eating and looking good. If we could teach each other how to look inward for the answers and cultivate that, just as you are doing, it would make such a difference in this crazy rat race we've created for ourselves, not just with diet and exercise, but also with so many life choices. Um, after listening to your podcast, I thought I would share in case it resonates. Thanks for everything you do, Rebecca. And I just like capital Y E S exclamation point, Rebecca. Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly it. I did not even realize how caught up I was in this health culture and in green juice world. And that's the way. And look how healthy I am. And look how healthy my kids are. And then becoming so obsessed with health that I was scared of gluten and scared of dairy and scared of all of these other amazing food groups that are perfectly fine for my 
body, well, I guess gluten's like not an amazing food group, but you know what I mean? That wheat and dairy and like these, we've labeled things and we don't even ask our bodies or our souls, like, how does that actually feel to me? Or am I just doing what everybody else does? Am I just, you know, shooting myself all over the place? So the key is intuition. And what's the best way that I've learned to cultivate a deep relationship with um, intuition is through Ayurveda. So stay listening. Um, I'm working on an Ayurveda class for the summer uh, online for you guys. Um, so hopefully you'll have that that you can refer to. I'm definitely, we've got lines up for this summer, an Ayurveda conversation between me and Allison Tepper, who's a dietitian, because she has a bunch of questions about Ayurveda and how it fits in with um, what she's learned, what she has learned as a dietitian and the science of nutrition that she knows. So we're going to have a lot of really interesting conversations about Ayurveda and information. There's my dog saying hello. Um, and the other thing I want to say is, um, that if you do live in the DC area, we have a retreat coming up this, um, summer, a yoga and meditation and writing retreat. It's July 27th to 29th outside of Middleburg, Virginia, and it's going to be really sweet. So if you want to come, go ahead and email me, pleasance at little ohm, or go to soulfulselfcare.com. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's show. It's uh, with my friend Carol Myers, and it's all about positive psychology, why we study it, what it's good for, and how it's rocking my world in terms of framing language Um, and being so clear and specific around the science of well-being. So enjoy.